Last week, if you were here, you know that we shared a critical message in the life of our church. And if you missed it, I really want to encourage you to jump online and watch or listen so you can know what we're talking about and where we're headed. But in a nutshell, we had a housewarming party, right? And we celebrated and gave God the glory that for these past, for all that he did these past two years through what we called our Beyond Initiative. And you didn't have to bring a housewarming gift, you know, because you had done that over the previous two years with giving $3.6 million worth of gifts toward the Beyond Initiative. And so we celebrated as Psalm 126 verse 3 said, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So together we took time and we praised God through your generosity that we didn't have to move. That were this building that we were leasing, that we got to purchase this building. We got to buy the land next to us. We got to buy land in Mexico and build a church there and, and build a house for the pastor. And we got to plant another church in Pasadena. Now, why? Why would God do such great things for us? Why would God do such great things in us and through us? Well, we know that it's not just for ourselves, is it? It's not just for ourselves, but because of God's great desire for you and I to reach more people with the redemptive message that Jesus saves. And while the unchanging message of Jesus never changes, the methods and the strategies that you and I use to reach people, those have been constantly changing for 2,000 years as the church of its time would always seek to reach the current generation for Jesus which is why we looked at an important principle last week, which said this, what got us here is not going to get us there. And we saw how Paul stated the same principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 through 23. It's something we're going to keep going back to throughout this year. And Paul said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. And so this is the challenge that I believe that God is putting before every single person in this room. And the question is this, will you become? Will you become, as Paul said, all things to all people? Meaning, will you do what it takes? Will you make the adjustments? Will you make the changes? Will you be open to something new or different that God wants to do in your life so that you can be used by God to reach some people for Jesus. Part of that next step of becoming so that we can reach some as a church is starting on Easter. We are adding a third service, as we mentioned last week, so we can open up more, pe more room and more space for more people. Because as kingdom-minded people, you and I want to be more mindful of those who visit us each and every week. As you are, are aware, and we mentioned last week, many weeks were just packed in here and Here's what we know about people who visit churches. New people, it's uncomfortable to walk in a crowded room when you don't know anybody and you have to find somewhere to sit. I know for me personally, I don't like walking into crowded rooms. I don't like going into crowded rooms when I need to find a seat. I hate going to movies and it's packed. That, that's the, for me, that's one of the worst things, and that's why I always wait till like midweek, you know, at like three in the afternoon, so I can go in, I can find my own seat in my own place. Is anybody kind of like that? There's some, a few, okay, a bunch of you relate, so 
you know what we're talking about, which is why the genius of what they're doing with movie theaters now, where you can go online and pre-select your seat. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter if it's packed because I know the seat I'm going to get, which gave me the idea as I was thinking about it even this morning. So starting next week, you're going to be able to go online <laughs> and select your seat. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? I'll bet you some church eventually does that. Somebody's going to do that. <laughs> well, in the same way, church, we need a third service so we can provide a better environment to reach more people for Jesus. i got to tell you, over time, I've watched people walk into this room and actually walk out. I've wa- I know, I've, I've watched that. My guess is sometimes they maybe try to go upstairs or something, they look and maybe there's you know, a little more space, but, but I've seen that. And so we want to be mu- we want to become so that we can reach some for Christ. That's what we want to do collectively as a church. And so the challenge that I put out to you is that you would actively, aggressively, purposefully and intentionally seek to master the art of I have become. That in your heart, in your spirit, you're constantly thinking, God, I want to become all things all people so I can reach some for Christ. Now, one part of becoming is that you and I would become better communicators. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, this last year, we have poured significant time and energy into figuring out how to better communicate our story. How better to communicate it more clearly, more effectively, in a more unified way. How better to communicate who we are as a church and what really matters to us and what are our main priorities What should we as a church really, really, truly be focused on and dialed in on? And then how do we help you communicate your story better? Because the reality is, your story individually is our story collectively. Will you respond and say yes to Jesus in this season? Because if you will, then your story of faith in God will I can, I'd like to use the word guarantee, but if you, and I really mean this, if you'll say yes to God in this season together, collectively as a church, your story of faith in God will be way more exciting to you. And when your story is more exciting to you, you'll end up talking about it more. You'll end up sharing it more. Isn't that true? If something is exciting to you, you talk about it. We know that to be true for example lately all of you who do crossfit you guys are nuts and all you do is talk about it right does anybody know someone who does crossfit and you're like okay i got it go be your little worked out strong buff self i don't care but they keep coming after you right what what about this one anybody know this one these people i think are the latest craziest people anybody know what this is Anybody have an instant pot? Okay, I got it, I got it. I can cook a chicken in 30 seconds, okay? I don't care. It took me, so we're borrowing this from someone. I'm not kidding. It took me like 10 minutes over there to figure out how to get the lid on and so, so I could hold it like this. But people who have an instant pot, instant pot, they talk about it to everybody they know, and they're just like, oh, man, it's incredible. And, and, and here's the words I've heard some people say. It changed my life. Instapot changing our life, Jesus changing our life. 
<laughs> They're close. <laughs> Listen to me. When you are engaged in what matters to the heart of God, you're going to be jazzed yourself, and you're going to be excited about it, and you're going to talk about it, and you're going to say, it's changed my life, and your life's going to be more fulfilling, and you'll be f- way more excited than CrossFit or Instant Pot. And you will make a far greater eternal impact. So I will keep asking you again and again and again, will you become? Will you become whatever God needs you to become in order to reach some for Jesus, to point some to life in Jesus? And specifically, as we're talking this morning, will you become a better communicator of your story, of our story? Now, part of our story, of your story, was our Beyond initiative that we did these last two years. Beyond was a season, and I want you to think about this. It was a season where you were invited to allow God to change you, to stretch you, to grow your faith in a fresh new way, and specifically, we did it collectively through, through our finances. God will always use something to grow our faith. And for those of you who have shared with me over the last couple of years, man, God's done an amazing work in your life, and I'm grateful to be able to read those stories. And, you know, over time, we want to share more and more of those. And I would encourage you, keep sending them to me. It's good for you to write them out. It's good for others to celebrate with you. Now, I imagine for those of you who didn't complete your commitment, for whatever reason, God was and still is growing your faith as well. Did you hear what I said? God was and is still growing your faith. And I got to tell you, for those who didn't complete your commitment or fulfill your commitment or whatever the case may be, I want to tell you, I want to I hear from you too. And I sincerely mean that because maybe your story is one of heartache and heartbreak. And I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to pray with you and to pray for you. Maybe yours is a story, that passage that, we, that Paul says, I have become all things to all people. In there, he said, one of the verses he says, I, he says, to the weak, I have become weak. Maybe for you, in these last couple years, your story was a story of weak faith. And you struggled. Or maybe you had some screw-ups or mess-ups or failures or losses or unrealized goals. They are all just as important in your journey of faith with God as those who wrote the final check and said, done. So I would love to hear from you as well. Because I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you. You and your story matters to me. And I think what oftentimes happens is as churches finish these up and we praise God for the great stories of things that happen, It's almost like a group of people is forgotten. And I don't want to be that kind of church. I want to be a people who care for everybody, no matter where you've been in this journey, no matter where you're at today in this journey. Whether success or failure, God has used the season of beyond to grow our faith. God always uses something to grow our faith. Why? Because if you haven't figured it out yet, Did you know that God is in the transformation story business? Did you know that? 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul understood that God is in the business of working in you and carrying something on, and so he's developing you and I, and he's molding us, and he's changing us and challenging us and stretching us and growing us so that we can become more like him. And it's not done until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not just one little season of our life. God's working on us, growing us, changing us, developing us, so we can be his representative. You see, God is writing our story. God is writing your story. As I said, I want us to remember that God always uses something to grow our faith and We believe in this upcoming season or this next chapter of LifePoint. We believe that God wants to use our our strategic and intentional focus on our vision, our mission, our values as a church to grow our faith, to write the next chapter of your story of faith and our story of faith. Our mission, our story, if you will, has always been to point people to life in Jesus, to point people to real life in Jesus, to be people who fully devote themselves to pursuing life to the fullest the way Jesus intended. And we talked about that two weeks ago. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to jump on and listen, that Jesus said, man, I've come to give you life, a real and better life than you ever dreamed of. And the way we carry that out here at LifePoint, life in Jesus, our vision, our missions, our values, what we're committed to, we've We've, uh, over the years, we've reworked our language a few different times as we thought about our values and, and whatnot. I don't know if you know that. I, I, if you were here in the early days, you might even remember. We had a whole lot of language. I mean, I was a new church planner and excited. And, and man, I, you know, I spent days and days and days in the Vacaville Library before we started the church just writing out, you know, what God put in my heart. And, man, and there was just pages and pages. And I was like, how do I summarize this? And, you know, I narrowed it down to a couple pages, and it was brutal and it was long. And I wish someone would come along to me and say, Chris, no one's going to know any of that. It's too much information. But we put it out there, and we were able to somehow summarize it into these nine values. And it was still, it was a lot, but it was the heart of who we were. And then a few years ago, we sat down, and we tried to summarize those nine values into three words. And if you've been around for the, uh, the season the last few years, you remember those words. They all started with a G. Let's see if you remember the words. What are they? Yeah, you remember those words, right? And they eventually became cliche, didn't they? I mean, we kind of laughed about it in staff. I mean, people would say, hey, let's go grow, give whitewater rafting, you know? And like, it was like, no, it's not what it meant. But but it kind of just kind of what happened over time. We had fun with it. They served us well for a season. Well, this past year, we've spent a tremendous amount of time in collaboration with a bunch of you and many of you. And we've asked the question, how can we share our story better so that we can reach, to use Paul's words, some for Jesus? How can we communicate the language of go, grow, and give in a better way for this current generation, for this season? We even brought in, for lack of better terms, secret shoppers. Now, you don't know that, but we did. We brought in secret shoppers, people who came in to assess us as a church and provide us feedback 
And that was exciting, but also a little scary. When you open yourself up and ask the question, hey, can I give you some feedback? I remember years ago, I was in a life group, and, and we threw out this question. We, we were like, hey, we want to go deeper and grow together, and, you know, this is what God called us to. And, and, and so we were like, hey, what if, what if we started asking the question, uh, um, would you be open to an observation? And you know what the collective answer of the church, uh, the small group was? No. No, I just want to come and talk about Jesus and the Bible. I don't want to get into my personal life. I don't want observations. So it's scary to invite someone in to ask the question, would you be open to an observation? Well, I got to tell you, uh, you passed. If passed is the right language. But, but they say, we, they really, they said we had an incredible church. And I said, I know, the people are phenomenal. And, but one of the things they encouraged us, and it started us on this quest. They said, you need to be more clear about who you are, what your story is, because it's powerful of what God's done. And so that's what we spent the last year on, pursuing that, digging into that, researching that, focusing on that. And so as we move ahead together with clarity and trying to, I would even say it this way, be more laser focused as a church. It reminded me of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, and Peter made the following statement to those early, early believers. He said this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he said, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. He said, listen, I want you to always be ready to articulate. I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared to share your story, to know what your story is. And i got to tell you, church, that's what we're working towards. And we're inviting every single person to go forward with us in this journey. Our story individually is pretty incredible. You share them with me from time to time. I love to hear them. They're incredible stories. But our story collectively, it's not just incredible, it's powerful. And it's world-changing. Why does your story matter? Why does the life point story matter? Why does it, this everything we're even talking about even matter to your daily life? Well, here's what I know. Every single one of us in this room, we want our lives to matter and to count. We all want to experience life in a way that brings us joy and peace and happiness and contentment and satisfaction. Every single one of us in here this morning want to know that we are, are making or have made some type of impact, some type of difference. Now, some of us, you know, we want to make a huge impact. Some of us, it's a little impact. But regardless, we all want our lives to, to matter, to count, for there to be significance. Every single one of us, we may not verbalize it, but that's what's going on inside of us. And I stand before you today to tell you the only way that you can guarantee for that to happen is if you will pursue life in Jesus. It's the only guarantee. He's the only one who's going to offer us truly abundant life because everything else that we pursue is just like shadow living. So we're excited for this next chapter that God wants to use all of us and to grow us in this season, to grow and stretch our faith. 
And some of you are like, oh, good, because the last two years it was, uh, you know, using finance. So I'm glad I can set that aside and try something else. We're excited to get more focused, or as Peter said, to be ready and prepared on what matters to Jesus in the life point context as each of us pursue life in him. We think our story has always kind of played out in what I wrote years ago in that Vacaville library before I moved into the city and and I wrote on pages and pages and pages and then I summarized it into nine points and then I summarized it in a few points. What people oftentimes call the core values. You have core values. You maybe never thought of them, but um, I I asked uh, somebody, or I used a term recently with someone, it just kind of came out in the conversation and I used the word super value. You know, what are your super values? Because we all have different values, but what are like the super values? What are the one, the, the, like the main ones for you that kind of drive you and drive your life and who you are? I'd encourage you to think about that. I'd encourage you even this week to take a little time and, pos- and journal it. Write it down and say, hey, man, here's my values. Because that's what's driving you. And that's what's helping create your story. Where our story has always played out with our core values. And we've always been about trying to be a church that introduces, one of them is to introduce people to Jesus. We used to call it go. Go to those who are far from God. Because here at LifePoint, we want everyone to meet Jesus. How many people live in our city? Anybody know? 100 and how many thousand, approximately? 160, 170,000? Man, I want every single one of them to know Jesus. Do you? I want every single one of them because Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. So without Jesus, nothing else in life actually matters. So, if we're going to be people who introduce people to Jesus, it means we are going to meet them where they're at. It means we want to hear their story. We want to understand them. We want to care for them. We want to love them. And as we do that, that will open up doors for us to eventually tell the reason for the hope that we have. We want to be people who are willing to be vulnerable with our own story of faith, our own faith journey. As I mentioned earlier, some of us, you know, we've had seasons, maybe we're in that, where our story of faith is weak right now. We're struggling. You know what? God can use that. Because there's people who are struggling and need to know that there's others like them. Some of you, your, stro- your faith is strong right now and you're excited about what God's doing in your life. You know what? God wants to use that as well. Wherever you're at, God wants to use your story to be open about it with others. The good, the bad, the ugly. And to do that with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your family, with your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews. Those you interact with, you know, in activities and even random people. Yeah, even random people from time to time. I was uh, uh, in uh, Vegas this last week with a bunch of church people because that's where church people go is to Vegas. Um, I don't know why, but we just do. Um, and so I, I jumped on a lift to take the uh, take lift back to the airport. And uh, the driver, Ty, picked me up. And so we start talking and and. He didn't, he asked what I do and all that, and I explained that, and, and he didn't understand. And, 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 you know, I said, I'm a pastor, and, and I follow Jesus. And he's like, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? Now, in my mind, I'm like, you know, 
first I have my jokes in my head, but I kind of get by that quickly <laughs> because he's from Vietnam and he has a, the only thing he knows is Buddhism. And I happen to, through conversations with one of you here who comes from, from a Buddhist country, we've been able to share and I've learned your story and your family's story. So I started talking to him a little bit and sharing with him you know, I tried to explain the monks. So anyway, we get in this conversation, and I, I explain the story of God is what I started doing, and that he loves ties so much, and he wants to save them, and, and, and that we're not good enough. And, and, and he was like, you know, he, he even said he, he believes that if you're good enough, you go there. That's what he did. He pointed up. You go there. And I just got into talking about how, man, that's, that's great, but I know for me, even as someone who tries to do the right things, I screw up a whole lot. And I'm not perfect. And my main emphasis was that Jesus died for us imperfect people, even us trying to be good people. But the cool thing is, and I wanted to see how this played out with someone who didn't even know about Jesus. I said, this guy named Jesus died, and he died specifically because he said, I want to die for you in your place. And I said this, and then they buried him. And I said, gosh, but the thing is, that, that just wouldn't, I don't want to follow somebody who's, you know, dead in a hole somewhere. I said, three days later, the guy rose from the dead. And I said, so I follow someone who died but now is living. And I just wanted to see how that kind of resonated with him. You know what he did? He laughed. He chuckled. He thought that was humorous. He hadn't ever heard that before, that someone died and then came back to life. And so that kind of opened the door for us to talk a little more and, and get into our conversation. So I just kept sharing Jesus with him, and, and eventually I invited him to church. I said, man, I would love for you to go to church and learn more about this Jesus because he's alive. He's not in his tomb like all the other people who are, you know, religious leaders. And, and I said, man, if you will give him a chance, he, he'll change your life, and he'll save you forever. And then I figured, well, I said, Central Church is here in Vegas, and they're partners of what friends of ours and all that. I said, man, go to this church. And, and he'd actually heard of the church. He'd heard of the church. So, so they're influenced in the city. I said, go to the church and check it out. And it's a huge church. And, they, and what I know about Central is they reach people exactly like Ty. The story of Central is about reaching people just like Ty. Man, we want to be a church that introduces people to life in Jesus. Maybe God will use that in his life. I don't know. Maybe it's a seed for something in the future. Actually, I believe it is. God will bring someone else along at the right time and the right place to, to grow that seed. So we introduce people to Jesus, especially our friends and family, but even to random people. I love how Paul said in Acts 20, verse 24, he said, the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me, and that's to tell people the what? What does it say to tell people the? The good news. The good news about God's grace. That's what he wants us to do. I read an article in Christianity Today this week, and, and LifeWay Research did an online poll to unchurched Americans. And I know when you do polls, I, I get skeptical of them on a, a lot of different levels, but there's some value to them. And this is what this article said. It said, uh, th those that were polled, 51% said they would agree to attend church through a personal invitation by a friend or family member. 
Isn't that incredible? And I went and they looked up a whole bunch of other statistics and I found, you know, those corroborated in various ways and, and depending on how the questions are asked. God's great desire is that you introduce people to Jesus and to life in him. And how do you do that? You invest in them. You spend time with them, and eventually, by investing in someone, eventually you invite them to life in Jesus, and part of that journey is eventually inviting them to church. If you will invest in somebody, if you will invest in somebody so that you can introduce them to life in Jesus, eventually, when you go to invite them to church, 51% of the people you invest in will say yes to you. That's a great percentage. You'd be in the Hall of Fame in any, just about any sport except probably like, you know, archery or shooting, but, you know, <laughs> most sports. We want to be people far more intentional in, in, to introducing people to Jesus. Next, we want to be more intentional about growing in our faith relationship with God. You see, the goal, according to Ephesians 4.15, is that we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Our goal is to become like Jesus and so God says, I want you to take your spiritual growth seriously because I want you to get to a place where you are living a life of full surrender to Jesus. And, and I got to tell you, we have never, ever, ever been about a church who is all about coming to church and learning a whole bunch of cool stuff and a whole bunch of Bible stories and a whole bunch of knowledge so that we can be smarter. That has never been our intention. We always Go to God's word. God's word is our lead. It is our guide. It's our focal point. It's our center point. We go to God's word so that we can know how to be more like Jesus, not how to fill our head with knowledge. Because the Bible says very clearly that knowledge, anybody knows knowledge what? Puffs up, right? Love builds up. We want the knowledge that we gain to be something for our heart. That results in life transformation that God provides when we respond to his desire to change us. Man, our faith grows strong when we're willing to abandon everything that takes our focus off of Jesus and we seek Jesus with all our heart to be more like him. And the more we try to be like him, the more we'll want to live for him. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. One translation said he decided that those who came to him should become like his son. So we want to be a church who just is super intentional and we're going to pursue that where we grow in our relationship with God and we seek this relationship with Jesus. And part of one of the ways that that can happen, one of the ways we can grow intentionally in our relationship with God is that we also connect with others. We used to say, go, grow, and give, right? Go, grow, grow in your relationship with God and others. We're saying we want you to connect. We want that word to be in your head over and over. I'm going to connect with others, connect with others, connect with others. It's going to help me grow in my relationship with God. Because that's where we find encouragement. It's also where we find accountability, right? In our faith journey with God through genuine relationships. And I got to tell you, when it comes to relationships, it's not easy. Can I get an amen to that? It's not easy. I get it. It's hard enough in relationships with those who are family members, better yet, those who are sitting around you. I get it. It takes a lot of effort. It takes effort to pursue genuine relationships. But we're going to do that. 
because we know this is where God's calling us. And I think this is a big part of our personal growth in this next chapter as a church. That we get really intentional about connecting with others, which means we're going to start saying in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, we're willing to be authentic. It means I'm going to get to a point where eventually I'm willing to actually open up and to be truthful about my doubts and my struggles and my hurts. Being real. That's where God's taking us. Being real like this starts by develop and by doing this and heading down this rela- road. That's where we develop incredible relationships. And those relationships are relationships that God will use in your life to grow your faith. So just imagine with me what it would look like. What would it look like if you said, I'm going to connect with others in a deep and meaningful way? Imagine what that would look like where you said, there's going to be unity. There's going to be authenticity and there's going to be kindness and gentleness and love. And that's going to permeate my relationships. Imagine with me living in relationships with others where you could disagree graciously. You could forgive quickly. And you could be active in resisting any kind of divisiveness. I got to tell you, those are relationships I desire. And I think as you hear that, you want that as well. All the while never forgetting that the one reason that we are gathered in those relationships is because of Jesus. He's the one who brings us together. Finally, in our desire to be ready, to be prepared, we just want to be more intentional about serving, about serving others. We used to call this give your life away. It's got a little coded in language. All that ever really meant was to serve. You and I, come on, we know, we've read the Bible, haven't we? A lot of you have, maybe not all of you, but you've read a few passages and you've heard, maybe heard phrases before. And Jesus said something profound. He said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, he said that true greatness is defined by the, by the, found in and defined by those who serve others. You want your life to matter? You want your life to count? Pursuing true greatness, true significance, it's always been with putting a towel on your arm, serving others, ready to say yes to whatever Jesus has for you. So I want to invite you, serve others by doing it constantly. Serve your spouse, your kids, your employees, your employers, your neighbors, your friends, and your church family. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He said, Throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. It's time for us to get out of these seats. Sit here for a service, and then we get out and we serve. And we serve others being about God's work, because if you do that, it's never, ever, ever, ever a waste of your time. I I love how uh, John Wesley said it. This was one of his mottos. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and at all times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. You know what he just said? Serve always. Serve constantly. Always. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 said, each of you should use whatever gift God has given you to serve others. That's God's great desire for our life. 
that we would serve others with our gifts, our talents, and our abilities. So church, this season, this next season for LifePoint, we've been around, for this is our 15th year, We're getting ready to celebrate that next month in February. I believe as we look at the story of God these next 15 years, God is inviting us in this season, in this time, to come together in a way I don't know that we ever have, in a more unified way, in a more focused way, together, writing the story of God in this church through our story, coming together in one heart and one purpose. I know that's, not what, that's what Jesus wanted, right? Didn't Jesus want oneness? He prayed for it in John 17 when he said, I pray that they will be one. In fact, let's say this together. I pray that they will, is it up there? I pray that they will all be what? One, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus' heart for us is to be one. For his, he knew it was the key for his story, his message of love and grace and forgiveness and eternal life. The, our oneness, our unity was the key to effectively reaching people with the story of Jesus Philippians 2 verse 2 said, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Romans 15 verse 5 and 6 says, have the same attitude of mind towards each other that Jesus had. So that with one mind and listen to this, one voice, you may glorify God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe this is a season where God's bringing us clarity as a church, as a family of God. And we're inviting you into that clarity. We're inviting you into that story that we are a church who we're going to point people to life in Jesus. How are we going to do that? Because we're going to introduce people to Jesus. We're going to grow in our relationship with God. We're going to connect with others and we're going to serve always. That's where God's taking us. And my question to you this morning is, will you become so you can reach some? Will you become a person who's so focused on God's work in your life and God's story in your life? Because the church is not this building and buying, and it's not the property that we bought over there. We're the church, so let's be the church God wants us to be. As uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5 said, let's give ourselves first to God and then to each other. And let's just see. Let's see how God writes our story. Let's see how God uses us together and us individually with our story to reach some for Jesus. So I just ask you, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please, will you join us? Will you dive in and write the story, our story? God, I pray right now as we come to you that you would speak to us. God, that you would bring incredible truth and conviction to us right now. You pray, Jesus, that we would be one. We would be unified in heart and purpose. And so right where you're sitting, I want to invite you right now to pray, God, use me as you write the story of my life. And use me, God, as you write the story of our life as the body of Christ called Life Point. 
I want to fully dive in. And God, I will become what you need me to become in this season so that I can be used by you to reach some for Jesus. God, as you hear those prayers, I know because I've heard it over and over and over as people have shared their stories. When people engage in that prayer, God, I know that their life is incredible. So God, would you do something great in us this year? In these next few weeks as we talk about our story and how our story is ours individually and collectively. Use it all for your glory. God, as we come right now, we come to give you an offering, to worship you. Use this for your glory and for your kingdom. And I ask for this and pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.